We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Took some time off, but Chris and I are back. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com. Chris, of course, Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers over at the Sacramento Bee. Took some time off. We're back. And we've got some uh, some news to cover at the top with Richard Sherman and his arrest. Chris covered the American Century Championship. We'll also talk a little bit about that. And we're going to get into which stakes are the highest for 49ers players this season. And we'll explain a little more about that once the podcast starts. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, Chris, got some news to cover, unfortunately, off the top. Um, It is Wednesday, July 14th. Richard Sherman was arrested this morning in Seattle on a burglary domestic violence charge. I think it's important to note just right off the top, nobody was injured. Um, His wife has come out and said nobody was hurt. She was not. His kids were not. Uh, so why don't, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hand it to you. Uh, you've been following the story a little closer than I did, uh, kind of throughout the day. So, uh, just kind of give us, give us where we're at since it's still, like I said, it's 6 PM on Wednesdays story is still developing a little bit, but, uh, what, what do we, what do you have so far? Yeah. So Richard Sherman, um, reportedly was, involved in a single car accident. He drove his SUV into a construction zone. Um, his He damaged his vehicle to the point where he couldn't drive it. He walked a couple miles to his in-laws house. They wouldn't let him in. Um, he tried to get in. The police were called. It was, um, and again, this is all according to, to different reporting you read, but um, there was an altercation with police. The police called a canine unit um, Sherman was was ultimately uh, arrested. He uh, I think it was at 6 a.m. this morning, Wednesday morning. He, he was booked um, and he did not make bail because in uh, in King County, where where this is all taking place, you need to see a judge before you can make bail. So it sounds like Sherman is going to be incarcerated until Thursday afternoon when he does meet a judge. Um so, you know, you guys can can read all about it. I, I, I retweeted Greg Bell's coverage of it uh, for the News Tribune up in Washington in the Seattle area. Greg's Greg's the uh, the Seahawks beat writer up there, and he's been all over this thing far more than I have. Um, so go ahead and read about it. I, I think the big takeaway here is um, and, and, you you know, Ian Rappaport's talked a little bit about it on NFL Network and, and Twitter and just it sounds like Sherman's been going through some, some mental hurdles and, um, and his friends have been in contact with him trying to um, trying to help him out. And that, you know, if I were to guess, I I would imagine that 
you know, going from the top of your profession to where you're an all pro, you're a future hall of famer, you're arguably the best cornerback of your generation to this off season where you're basically out of work and struggling to find a job. Um, I just think that's a really difficult position to, to be in and, and, you know, mental health is a serious thing and it sounds like Sherman's going through it and is at a, a rough point in his life. So, um, you know, again, as you said, nobody was hurt. The, the domestic violence burglary charge um, sounds a, a lot different than I think what actually happened. It was him yeah. breaking into a house. It wasn't him. Um, you know, he hasn't been accused of, of um, assaulting anybody. Uh, so I, I think that's important to keep in mind. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to editorialize too much on this because it's a serious situation. And uh, and I just, you know, it sounds like Richard Sherman's afflicted and um, and hopefully he can he can recover from this and, and get things back in order. Um, and whether or not that means playing football this season or, you know, calling it quits and eventually going into the media or just taking some time off and figuring things out for himself and his family and all that, um, you know, hopefully hopefully Sherman can get this thing figured out. And, uh, and you know, my, my thoughts are with him and, and his family, his, his wife, Ashley, um, and everybody else is, as, uh, you know, clearly a lot of people are involved in this and, and um, hopefully Sherman can get the help he needs. Yeah. And like you said, don't want to obviously editorialize too much. If there's more news or information that comes out, we'll, we'll certainly, uh, certainly cover it. Like you said, our, our thoughts are with, with Richard Sherman and, and his entire family for sure. Shifting gears. Time. <laughs> Always easy. Always easy. To something much less serious because that's the direction this podcast tends to go. Yeah. You covered an event in person man for the first time in more than a year since the super bowl that's a good point actually i hadn't well i had been to games right but you you hadn't been around pandemic i'd gone to a couple games before they went to arizona but i hadn't um like talked to anybody in person like up close i didn't even think about that part of it but yeah i went to the american century championship the celebrity golf tournament in tahoe and man, if you can go to that tournament, go because it is a blast and uh, it's in a beautiful setting. It's a it's an awesome golf course and you can get really close to a lot of super famous people. Um, <laughs> and a, a, a bunch of them are really, really good at golf. If, if you enjoy golf and you play golf, it's kind of wild to watch how good these these people are. Like if you've never been. You know, if you've gone to a PGA Tour event, then then you know what it's like to watch like a professional golfer strike the ball and just how Mm -hmm. much different that is from the rest of us when we play. And like I was really lucky the first day I walked with uh, with Robbie Gold, who uh, Niners kicker, obviously, I walked with Robbie Gold. His caddy was Mike McGlinchey. Hilarious. um, And they played with Jason Whitworth, who hits bombs, which isn't really Andrew Whitworth. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Andrew Woodworth, um, who it's bombs, the Rams left tackle. And then yeah. uh, Kyle Williams, the retired Buffalo Bills defensive tackle, not the former wide receiver, not the former wide receiver. The guy can play like Kyle Williams. That's wild. And play. It was it was crazy. Nick, uh, Nick Wagner was there. Our good buddy um, was there with me on the first day on th- uh, Friday. And so that was just a lot of fun. Robbie Gold's, uh, I, I don't think he's scratch. I think he's, I think he's a one handicap. Kyle Williams, I think is scratch and Whitworth. I, I'm pretty sure is single digits, but um, just hits the shit out of the ball and also plays blades, which is like, you know, if you play blades and play well, that's credit to you because blades are really hard to play with. When I first started learning how to golf or started playing golf, I used this set of clubs from there's this set of Wilson clubs from like the 1980s that my uncle gave me in their blades. So I'm swinging this 40 year old set of golf clubs <laughs> that are blades and like just making an already really hard game 25 times. Hard. Yeah. I got a real set of irons. It was like, Oh, okay. This is what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. Like even good golfers, very, very few of them play with blades. Even I, I would say probably like, half the guys on the PGA tour play with blades, like not even, not even like a majority of them, you know? So like, 
playing with blades is impressive. But the, the cool part was Saturday. I got to walk inside the ropes with Steph Curry, um, Tony Romo and Annika Sorenstan. And like at CBS broadcaster, Tony Romo, CBS broadcaster, Tony Romo, who uh, who did have a professional career in athletics before that. But um, but man, like I knew Steph Curry was good and he played in like a PGA Tour event once. And, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I was blown away at how good Steph Curry is like just incredibly good golfer. He hit he hits a driving iron like. I mean, there were, we were at elevation, but he hits his driving iron. I don't know. I think he said it was a two iron. Um, Seth Curry told me afterwards it was a three iron. So I don't, I, my reporting's all over the place on this, <laughs> but he hits it like 280, 290 and just like hits every fairway. Tony Romo has a little bit more of a loose swing, but when he hits it, like it just goes. And he's an incredible golfer. He's won that event a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and Annika Sorensen's the best female golfer of all time. And like, was just hit every fairway and every green and yeah. was just like playing the, the most stress-free brand of golf I've ever seen. Just like walking <laughs> up, hitting the ball. Like Romo takes forever between shots. Sorensen just walks up and hits and like no problem. At <laughs> just all. stripes all day. Just, just stripes. <laughs> so that was, that was a lot of fun. And, and I just like, you know, I was super lucky in that I was really the only media member walking with the group. Mm-hmm. And it's like, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, there were photographers there. There were a couple like social media, like Let's Go Warriors photographers there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Warriors Talk um, was there. But yeah, like I was the only media member walking every hole with them. And like, man, just seeing seeing that up close was was phenomenal. And it's just an incredible event. Like it's loose. It's it's relaxed. Um, there is some incredible golf and like there are crazy famous people there like Charles Barkley's there Michael Strahan's there Justin Timberlake um, Aaron Rodgers Patrick Mahomes Travis Kelsey Steve Young Jerry Rice uh, and Robbie Gold please Bush. don't list the whole field <laughs> so, <laughs> Marty Fish so yeah Marty Fish was there uh, defending champ but uh, Vinny Del Negro won which is cool because he actually revealed after he won that he lost his father on Wednesday oh, of last week so he was like super emotional about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's just a really, really cool event. And like, so if you've been to the waste management open uh, and like been in the, like at the 16th hole, that par three, where it's just like a party. Yeah. That's what the 17th hole is at the AA, at the ACC, except you're on the lake Right. It's and boats on the water. Like 40 boats lining the hole so and sick. like everybody in bathing suits just like screaming at you and like throwing basketballs at Steph Curry and footballs at the football players and like Aaron Rodgers is launching footballs onto the boats. Aaron Rodgers just dropping a seed into the middle of a boat from 50 yards away or whatever yeah. it was. It's it's an awesome event. Um I wrote a little bit about it, but yeah, if you can go and like Tahoe's like one of my favorite places on planet earth, especially in the summer. Yeah. Same. Um, and it, if you can bay, go, baby. I highly recommend going. It's just a lot of fun. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was that. And, uh, and you know, part of, part of my new, my new role at the paper is getting to do events like that. So not complaining, um, as much Here's, as, you know, B writing's cool, but like getting, getting out to, to do stuff like that and see other athletes up close is, is a lot of fun. My experience at the American Century Championship, I was interning for a radio station in Sacramento. And the show I was interning for would would do the show from from the driving range. And so the producer, who's very well connected at the time, would just go over and his guys were coming off the range. Hey, can you come give us five? And just, I mean, the guest list is insane. I mean, you said it. And so also pause this real quick jamie moyer's kid phenomenal golfer anyways um i have another story about a phenomenal golfer after yours okay that's not as related don't worry so this is so (laughs) so this is we have 49ers content to get to by the way but the acc is a great event so at night it's just like they put you up in a hotel room and like do whatever stay out of trouble so i go down and um I'm walking through whatever, whichever the hotel was. I've got a bunch of liquor in me and I'm standing there. There's a stage and there's people on stage performing. There's a bunch of people standing around watching. 
So I decide to stop and I look up. It's Charles Barkley, Alfonso Ribeiro, the guy who played Carlton on Fresh Prince, mm-hmm. and David Justice wow. doing karaoke of Hypnotized by Biggie. Wow. Which is random enough, right? And then, and, and then I, I go. How good rap songs are for karaoke. And then I go to walk away and bump into Joe Theismann, not like saw Joe Theismann, bumped into literally Joe Theismann, who looks down and goes, Oh, sorry about that. I bumped into him. He apologizes to me and goes, What are you drinking? I'll get you one. Awesome. And buys me a drink for me bumping into him. That's incredible. It's just as a, as a, whatever I was 21 or 22 at the time, it just, yeah. it was like, I'm never going to do anything cooler than this. Yeah. And like, if you're in Tahoe, people are just around. Like, yeah. there's a video of Jerry Rice doing karaoke and just like a, a crowd of people. I think it was inside Harris. Just a crowd of people. He's just there doing it. Like, if you want to go get close to these athletes or celebrities, like you can. It's a great opportunity to. And it's just such a fun event. And it's in Tahoe. Can't can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, good times. Oh, so here's my. So yeah, please. And then we'll get to our uh, highest stakes. So I I did some reporting and I I asked uh, the the parties involved who the best golfer was on the 49ers. Oh, huge. Um, Robbie Gold, obviously, you know, one handicap. Uh, McGlinchey plays. I think he's he's nearing single digits. He hits the shit out of the ball. I mean, he's a he's a big dude. Um, right. But I think he his game might need a little bit of work, according to him. But uh, in terms of a under the radar, just stick on the 49ers roster. Josh Peterson, the undrafted rookie tight end, Doug Peterson's son, apparently <laughs> is incredible at golf. And so. Huh. You know, if he makes the team, maybe this is something that we can explore more down the road. Please. But, um, I, th- and maybe we could have him on the pod to talk about golf. I was right about to say that, dude. We'll just, <laughs> we're, we're candle stick, I mean, underline stick chronicles. A, every, every single, uh, that was a funny thing about talking with McGlinchey. Like everyone who's good is a stick. And I never called anybody a stick at golf before. Like if you're, if you're good at golf, oh, oh we're that stealing guy's a stick. That. We're stealing that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So Josh Peterson, apparently a stick. So we'll keep that in mind when you're making your 53 man projections. I'm changing mine as we speak. (laughs) Hang on one second. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself. 
with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. So we're going to do, we're going to do a list of the 49ers with the highest stakes going into this year. If that makes sense. Yeah. Just, just guys with a lot at stake. Guys with players with the most at stake. Yes. So isn't this isn't necessarily like make or break year for this guy. Uh, Let's, let's just dive into it. And I think the first one, we'll, we'll start with your first one. the, The one that you use to explain your thought process to me because I think this is a really good one. So why don't you lead it off? You've got three. I've got three. Give us give us your first one and kind of explain explain why. Yeah. So the, a guy with a lot at stake and, and I didn't you know, like there are a lot of NFL players with a lot at stake, right? There are a lot of guys just battling for roster spots. So we're not necessarily talking about the fringe roster guys who whose like careers are on the line, depending on their training camp. This is like guys who we know are going to make the team but sort of their future beyond this season might be up in the air if they don't play really well. Um, So the first guy that jumped to my mind is Raheem Mostert, the running back, uh, because this is the last year of his contract and the 49ers drafted two running backs and Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. And I think it's, it's pretty apparent that, you know, Raheem Mostert has a ton at stake this year. He needs to play well in order to either garner another contract with the 49ers or somebody else. And so just looking at, you know, the depth that the 49ers have have in at running back, really one of the under the radar issues the 49ers had last year was their depth at running back. It was like Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Once those guys were gone and it was like, you know, Jarek McKinnon was the only guy to only running back to play in every game. Um, You know, like, Tevin they, Coleman, Jamichael Hasty, and Austin Walter were the other guys who got carries. Yeah, Tevin Coleman was not a good player last year. Nope. Uh, Jamichael Hasty, undrafted rookie, you know, showed signs but also got hurt. Um, so you look at it, it's like Wayne Gallman, Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, Jamichael Hasty, Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, he's he has a knee injury and we might not see him until midseason if at all. But the point being is like with Trey Sermon there and the fact the 49ers invested a third round pick to take him indicates that he's a long-term guy. And so Raheem Mostert being in the last year of his contract needs to put together a good year. And, and you know, whether, again, he could be playing for another team next year. But for the 49ers to have a good season, I think offensively they need Raheem Mostert to to play in a vast majority of the games. Like you, ideally you want to get yes. 13, 14 games out of Raheem Mostert at least. Um, I think that allows you to maximize Trey Sermon because you sort of have that thunder and lightning, bad yeah. cliche combo there. <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, I think it's a big season for Raheem Mostert. And I think that idea has sort of gone under the radar a little bit um, because, you know, he signed a two-year deal before last season. Uh, and it was a big deal for him to get that contract. And now he's in a spot where he needs to get another contract. And yep. uh, and so it's it's a big season for him. He's 29 this year. Um, he's making 3.6 against the cap. There's no guaranteed salary for him, which I don't think that necessarily matters because he's I, he's going to make the team. Right. Um, but I, it's just it's an important season for Raheem Mostert. And given just his importance in within the 49ers offense, I think he's a guy that, that we need to talk about in that way. I think the other guy too, when you talk long term, is you mentioned Elijah Mitchell, who I think can play a similar role to to Mostert in this offense. And I think that you, you mentioned Trey Sermon already. I think that's a direct threat to Mostert's number of carries this year. And I think long term. I think if Mitchell flashes it all this year, I think the 49ers would look at him as a possible direct replacement where they don't even consider bringing back Mostert unless it's at a bargain basement type of type of discount given his given his age and like you said his his kind of injury history has been a little bit of a problem. So I I I I agree with you. There's 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 a lot at stake for Mostert just because if he has a great year, even if he hits free agency and the Niners are, are cool with letting him walk, there's there are teams that will that will give a guy like him a contract, a sizable right. one. Or if 
you know, knock on wood, last season replicates itself and the 49ers deal with a ton of injuries early in the season and it's basically a lost cause. Is Raheem Mostert, if he's healthy, somebody you think about trading? Sure. Right. Like that that's a possibility too. Not likely, but you know, if if everything if last season happens again, it's gonna there they're gonna be a few guys in a similar boat like all right this guy's in a contract year he's still a productive player 49ers probably aren't going to re-sign him because they need to pay other guys like you know maybe most are somebody who could help out another team in need of a speedy running back sticking on offense my first one is somebody we haven't talked about a lot on the podcast is Debo Samuel he's going into year three And he's coming off a year where he only played seven games, dealt with a couple different injuries. And if he's going to, he's going to be eligible for an extension after this year. And if he has a season where he plays eight or nine games and is just kind of mostly unavailable and, you know, effective when he is on the field, but George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are eating a lion's share of the targets and maybe Jalen Hurd comes in and plays well there's a real chance when you talk about a players who could get traded or B players who aren't going to get extended. I think this is a big year for Debo in that regard. If that makes sense. Completely agree. We, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, who's the number three receiver going to be. Well, I mean, ultimately like a bigger conversation is can you, can you get enough from Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel that, you know, the, the number three conversation isn't really a big deal, right? Like the 49ers are going to run the ball a lot and they're going to be in 12 and 21 personnel a lot, which means Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are going to get the vast majority of playing time at receiver as long as they're healthy. Mm -hmm. And like, is that going to be enough for the 49ers to contend from a passing game perspective. And a lot of that does fall on Debo Samuel because I think you and I think Brandon Ayuk is is the real deal. And Samuel looked like he was a real deal in, in 2019. Last year, you know, he barely practiced because of all the injuries and all the different COVID stuff he dealt with. Right. Um, so maybe last year was just a wash. But I think last year is kind of a cautionary tale with Debo because he he had seasons derailed by injuries when he was in college. Yep. And he plays the physical brand. Kyle Shanahan loves to use him in the running game. He he was used in the running game almost exclusively in a few games last year, particularly against the Rams. And given his injury history, like can is that sustainable? Like I I just don't think it's necessarily sustainable. I think you want to have him do some of those jet sweep things and, and just have that threat within the offense. Yep. But you need him to be a downfield guy. You yep. need him to be both. Um, and there's so, a, there's a level his game can get to Yeah, that he hasn't reached yet. We know he can do that short area stuff. Can he be and that all around player that Kyle Shanahan wants his receivers to, to be, that's the next step for him and staying yeah. healthy. Totally. And if, you know, if Debo Samuel, say Debo Samuel has 1600 all-purpose yards and scores 10 touchdowns, goes into the offseason, like what's what's next offseason look like? Is he a guy who's going to hold out for a contract that pays him 16, yeah. 17, 18 million dollars a year? And how do the 49ers react to that? Or if Debo has a season similar to his rookie season, then 2022 is a contract year more likely. Mm-hmm. Right? And then so you know, what's that look like? Like it's the, the, the Debo Samuel sitch, like the future with him is very high, high variance, right? Yeah. A lot of different ways it feels like. And yeah. so the upside is really high. He could be a star. Um, and the downside is similar to what we saw last year when he was basically a non-factor because of the injuries. Yep. And given the lack of depth, the 49ers have at least on paper at receiver, you need him to be good. If the Niners are going to the Super Bowl in 2021, it's going to it it's going to have to take include it's going to have to include a big year from Debo Samuel, I think. I agree. I very much agree. 
He's uh, he's just such a big part of everything they do in the run game. And if he starts to consistently provide a threat in the second and third level, and he's available for, you know, 14, 15 games, I think you're looking at, uh, you're looking at a player who we start talking about is, you know, invaluable to the offense. Right. And that, like you said, kind of going into a year where going into an off season where he can get an extension, it makes things very, very interesting. Let's jump over to the other side of the ball. Who's next on your list? Yeah, I got Jason Verrett. Mm. Um, and he's got a lot to prove because, you know, like he's he's trying to get an, another payday while he's still sort of in his in the quote unquote prime of his career. I mean, he's 30 years old. It's crazy to think about Jason Verrett being 30, but he is. He signed for one year, um, just over five million. And it's an incredibly important position, right? Like cornerback and defensive end are the two most valuable positions on defense and the 49ers have Nick Bosa. They're not, there's, they're not really worried about that necessarily, but cornerback is a big question mark. And uh, one of the things they did this off season was decide, all right, we're comfortable with Jason Verrett being our number one guy. And, you know, they did draft a couple corners, but as rookies, it's, it's impossible to count on uh, Ambry Thomas and Diamador Lenore to, to be, productive players for you you just don't know that and maybe they will be but you just don't know that and you don't really know if Jason Verrett can stay healthy and be what he was last year which was a very very good cornerback so again like talking about Debo and like if the 49ers go to the Super Bowl in 2021 it's more than likely going to include a really nice season from Debo Samuel the same is true for Jason Verrett if the 49ers are going to have a top 10 defense it's going to take a really nice season from Jason Verrett and the fact that He's missed so much time throughout his career because of injury. It's just a massive question mark. So there's that. He's in a contract year. Um, he plays an incredibly important position. And he's going to have to be a very good player for the 49ers to contend because he's going to be matched up with DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like they're, they're just. He's their, number Adams, one, he's, their, he's their number one corner going into this season. Yeah. Like if you're if you're ranking the corners on the 49ers, Jason Verrett is at the top with a chance to put together, let's say he plays 17 games. He's now at 30 games and let's say he makes a pro bowl. He's now at 30 games of pro bowl caliber play because he was I think a pro bowl caliber player last year. Yeah. And that's going to earn him big money when you put together two healthy seasons like that. The teams are gonna teams are gonna come knocking, and it. I, I believe there was reporting that a team offered him a multi year deal this offseason. Yeah, but he wanted, wanted to. Type. Yeah, and and return to San Francisco, who had been so patient with him. I I I agree with you completely. If if for if if for no other reason that he can set himself up to get a really sizable payday, not to mention the fact that the 49ers are relying on him a lot. As as you laid out, so I think I think Verrett's a really good one. When you had when you had put these when you when you put this topic out, he wasn't even a guy I'd thought of. That's a that's a very very good one. Twenty fifteen, he played in thirteen or fourteen games total. Mm-hmm. Twenty sixteen four, twenty seventeen one, twenty eighteen zero, twenty nineteen one. Like twenty twenty, he played in he played in thirteen games. Yeah, and set a career high in snaps. So there's you know like. That's your number one corner this year. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, the Niners need him to be great. Jason Verrett needs himself to be great so he can get another payday even at age 31. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he sort of exemplifies the, the, the guys with a lot at stake. Who do you have at uh, you have somebody on the defensive side we should talk about? Yeah, I have Eric Armstead here. And Armstead's an interesting one because he wasn't bad last year. But he was less statistically productive, way less statistically productive than he was the previous season. I think he had three and a half sacks. He led the team with 10 in 2019. And he just there there were a couple times where there were opportunities for the 49ers to come up with a big defensive play. And it's like, man, you're highly paid defensive lineman. Be great if he came up with a big stop here. And he just kind of never really, never really did. So 
again, that's not to say he's a bad player. I just think he is heavily reliant on being able to kick inside on passing downs and dominating on the interior next to a guy like Javon Kinlaw who needs to take a step up. But for Armstead, he's not even going into a contract here, but he's, his contract is such that if the 49ers cut him after June 1st next year, it only comes with a $5 million dead cap hit and they save 15 million against the cap. So if Armstead comes out and he's again, good player, good run stopper on the edge, decent pass rusher from the inside. And the kind of guy who's going to be in the league, I think whether he has a great year or not this year, I think he's just one of those guys who's going to be in the league 12, 15 years because he's, he's a serviceable defensive lineman, but yeah. His his future with the 49ers, I think, is at stake because he's costing them quite a bit of money. And he's doing that because he was so productive rushing, rushing the passer in 2019. So I, I anticipate him being better this year with Nick Bosa healthy, Samson Abukam in the mix, possibly getting D Ford back healthy, a step up from Javon Kinlaw. All of that will help Armstead be a more productive player. But if he's not, despite all that stuff, I think the 49ers are going to have to have a tough conversation about whether he comes back in 2022. Eric Armstead's cap hits starting in 2022 through 2024. Please. 20 million, 21.7 million, and 23.3 million if you're rounded. Um, so, yeah, if they could save 15 million in 2022 with a post June cut, 16.7 in 2023 post June one, uh, and 18. Post June one in twenty twenty four. So yeah, your your point is a great one in that this essentially is a contract year for Eric Armstead because that's a lot of money. Yeah, and three and a half sacks. Like, sorry, if he has three and a half sacks this year, and I know he's played in all sixteen games the last three seasons, which is commendable. Mm-hmm. But like, you need much more than three and a half sacks from your twenty million dollar pass rusher. Yep. So there are guys you can pay way less than that to kind of do the stuff on the margins that he does. Right. And he's a good player, but yeah, he had to play out of position last year because of the injuries to Nick Bosa and D Ford. And it's not that he's a bad defensive end. He's, he's a good defensive end against the run, but he's just not a particularly effective pass rusher from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the 49ers, if healthy, have a very good defensive line and he can be a part of that. If, if the pieces around him, are playing well, which is, you know, what we saw in 2019. But I think it's clear now, given that we have what six year sample size with Eric Armstead, that he's not going to be your top dog and mm-hmm. his con he's, he's making top dog money, mm-hmm. <laughs> like $20 million cap hit next year. So yeah, he needs, he needs to get, I don't know that he necessarily has to have double digit sacks, but if he has eight and he plays in every game and he's good against the run, and you know the Niners defense is top five or top ten, and and he's a significant part of that. Then yeah, you you think hard about bringing him back at twenty million dollars. But if it's yeah. three and a half sacks again, and he's just kind of a guy, then you're like, all right, we're there's no way we're paying him twenty million dollars. We're gonna ask him for a pay cut, or we're just gonna flat out release him um, because he's not, you know, if he has three and a half sacks again, he's not gonna have any trade value at that cap number. Something I think that's working to his advantage is the 49ers are going to have a, the cap is supposed to spike and the 49ers are going to have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to necessarily be hurting for cap space, even with Fred Warner's extension set to come down and Jimmy Garoppolo's contract very likely coming off the books. They also aren't going to have a first round pick to replace a defensive end who also plays defensive tackle and rushes the passer from inside. Yeah. He's he's valuable from that perspective, but yeah. And that he needs to be more productive to, to make all of that money worthwhile. Right. I agree. And like I said, maybe if he, let's say he has four sacks this year, maybe he doesn't get let go this off season, but I think the conversations start inside the building. Yeah. I mean, he's, before 2019, his career high in sacks was three. And then he had 10 in 2019. And then last year, he had three and a half. Yeah. 
you know, so like this is a guy who's had more than three and a half sacks once yeah, in six seasons and he's due $20 million next year. So yeah, he's, he, he needs to have a big season to justify that contract for sure. Otherwise, and I don't, I'm not going to keep harping on this, but we will talk about it eventually <laughs> when DeForest Buckner comes to town, but like, it's, you know, yeah. It's not looking great choosing Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw over DeForest Buckner for now. Maybe Javon yeah. Kinlaw turns into a star and it becomes a more justifiable process. But as of right now, the process the 49ers went through when it came to deciding not to pay DeForest Buckner um, not great. and Eric Armstead, it's not looking great. No. At the moment. Um, my next guy is D Ford. And I think he's sort of the biggest wild card on the roster because nobody knows if he can even play right coming off his back injury. He had, he had back injuries in college. He had recurring back injuries with the chiefs. And now last year he missed basically the entire season after week one uh, because of ongoing back issues. He's been at the facility. He's been working hard. Everybody's saying that, that he's shown improvement and that, you know, he's doing what he needs to do to get ready for the season. But frankly, like nobody knows for sure if D Ford is going to play, let alone contribute and play at a high level. Um, you know, I thought D Ford played at a pretty high level in 2019. I, I think he, he had a sizable impact on the defense when he was available. And, and um, so I do think he's a good player and I think he complements the rest of the defensive line. Well, but we just don't know if he can even play. And so, you yeah. know, he had he had his contract we reworked to basically, you know, he's making 11.9 against the cap this year. 2023 is voided, which indicates that like, you know, they they came to some sort of agreement where they probably cut him a check and guaranteed him some money while while trimming the last few years off that contract that he signed in in 2019. Um but, you know, like he's a very important player for the pass rush. Like we don't know if Samson Ebukam is, is going to be a productive pass rusher. If he's not, and D Ford is not, then I, I find, I find the 49ers, you know, fielding a top 10 defense kind of unlikely unless Nick Bosa is just, you know, putting together a 17 sack season. Right. And Eric Armstead's giving you 10 and Javon Kinlaw is giving you eight. Like maybe that's Jesus, that's your formula, (laughs) but that's really tough to count on. Right. So yeah, that would Ford, yeah. D Ford obviously has a lot on the line because if he, if he doesn't play, like he might never play again. Right. Like yeah, he's in it. Are, he's are in a, not good. He's in a similar spot to Jason Barrett in that regard. In Except that, Barrett's healthy right now. Right. But That's if Barrett, those guys. but if Barrett has his injury issues crop up again and he only plays, you know, again, knock on wood four or five games and he may, he may not get another shot in the NFL. Right. If D Ford doesn't play this year, who's, who's signing him after missing two full seasons. So I, I, I agree with you. Not, not only for the 49ers sake, but just for the sake of his career. Like I I just, (laughs) you just hope he's healthy and on the field, the production is secondary. You just hope for him that, that he can actually play. Yeah. And he's a good dude. He's a super nice guy. Um, but yeah, like he's, I mean, he's made $50 million. I did. He's doing okay. I did think it was interesting that the two updates we got were John Lynch early in the off season, who was questioning whether D Ford, he was like, yeah, we don't know if he's going to be ready at all this season. And then Kyle Shanahan talking all about how D Ford was there all off season and he's been rehabbing at the facility all off season and they had to make him go home to get away for a little bit. And, you know, they're going to see about him being ready for training camp. Maybe that's just him trying to gas his guy up, but I think it's a pretty stark departure from the, 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 the more pessimistic view we got from John Lynch just a few months earlier. The, the thing like, you know, coaches always say things. Um, they do. People always, you know, like media appearances. The, the whole, the whole thing is to, as you said, like gas your guy up, right? Really, what, what you look at is the money, the money talks, right? 
He signed a five-year, $85 million contract. Mm-hmm. It was basically thrown in the trash and basically turned into a one-year deal <laughs> for, sure. for 2021. And that's really all you need to know. It's like nobody that the Niners don't know for sure. They're definitely not banking on him long-term 2022 and 2023. So those seasons were thrown in the trash and now he's making 7 million in cash in basically 2021 and uh, has the potential to make 7 million in cash in 2022. Yeah. And so that's a far departure from the five year, $85 million contract he got in 2019. So yeah, the money is it. And it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely up in the air for him. Um, you have, you have a, a pretty obvious one yeah. to round out our six guys here. Who you got? Yeah, it's, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Fair. It's, it's, you talk about a de facto contract year. He has two years left on his deal. His. It's like a contract training camp, basically. Yeah, man. It's look, here's the, here's the thing. I don't buy. I see some of this stuff from national guys that, uh, you know, the Niners could, could cut Garoppolo and train. I don't think they're going to do that because they have no reason to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, they, they don't need the money this year. And I don't think he's, he's going to be a bad locker room guy regardless. And they, they talked all about insulating themselves from an injury to their starting quarterback. Well, if you start Trey Lance, and you cut Jimmy Garoppolo. Now you've got Nate Sudfeld and, and Josh Rosen, and you could potentially find yourself right back, kind of where you started. Two guys, so, two guys who were omitted from this list. Yeah, yeah just barely. A lot, lot at stake for cut. Nate Sudfeld and Josh Rosen. We just yeah, nobody talks about that though. <laughs> so, no, I just Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be around, but I mean, there's again, you talked you talked about the 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 degree of variance with Debo. I think we're there with Jimmy Garoppolo too. Because if he comes out and is awesome, let's say they let's say they get to the halfway point and they're eight and one. I can't imagine, and he's the starter for all nine games. I can't imagine they're they're sitting him at that point. I I I, agree. I, I just I it's illogical. And let's say they go 14 and three and they go to the Super Bowl again, all with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not a problem for a, for the 49ers. That's Garoppolo upping his trade value. That's the 49ers getting to another Super Bowl. Um, but then again, if he gets hurt, well, now he's affecting his value on the open market if the 49ers cut him or if they try to trade him, his his trade value is going way down. Um, if he doesn't play well, same thing. Um, he's probably going to wind up getting cut and, and signing for backup quarterback money somewhere and, and competing possibly for a starting job. So... It's a it's a huge year for for him personally, and if he plays well, he could put the 49ers in a position to make another run. If he doesn't play well, well, now they're starting their rookie and crossing their fingers that that he has it figured out right away. Yeah, and so you know, I, I think you and I are in agreement, or at least I don't want to speak for you. I I think Trey Lance is going to start more games than Garoppolo this season. You do, I do, mm-hmm. but. There's also a scenario where Garoppolo takes a significant leap. Sure. And the 49ers are in the running for for, you know, a buy in the playoffs, the one seed in the NFC. Like that scenario does exist. And yet, to your point, there's no way you're sitting Garoppolo at that point. Yeah. At least I don't think so. Like if you're, you know, if you're 13 and 4, like Trey, Trey Lance is just not going to play. And that's not necessarily an indictment of Trey Lance. It's just like, all right, well, Jimmy Garoppolo's balling and he's healthy. Like you just, you, you can't really sit him because yeah. that just wouldn't really make any sense. And like, you know, the, the, you make the trade to invest three first round picks in Trey Lance because you think he's the future. But like, keep in mind, like Aaron Rodgers sat for three seasons behind Brett Favre. And I'm not mm-hmm. equating Jimmy Garoppolo to Brett Favre, but like sometimes quarterbacks sit. It's 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 rare. Um, and I'm not expecting that to happen, but that scenario does exist where Garoppolo plays better than he did in 2019 and the 49ers are contending and you just don't upset the apple cart by making a change of quarterback. 
But if Garoppolo is mediocre, which is possible, if he's turning the ball over, if he's getting hurt, if if whatever he's doing or not doing is preventing the 49ers from winning games, then yeah, Trey Lance is going to be in there. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if Trey Lance beats out Garoppolo, but I do think the scenario exists. And I think Garoppolo could be good enough to keep Trey Lance on the bench for a little while. I'm not expecting it, but it does exist. And so it's a really fascinating situation for the 49ers to be in, but it's also a pretty favorable one, right? Like either way, like, you know, I know people, people talk about, well, 49ers made this trade. What if Jimmy Garoppolo helps him win the Super Bowl? Then what do you do? It's like you you cross that bridge when you get there. And, you have a and parade. You're damn happy to have to raise a banner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you you will you will skip across that bridge. <laughs> and yeah, like, that's that's the that's the best case scenario because now a you have a Super Bowl under your belt, and b at that point you can probably trade him for a first round pick if you want. Yeah, multiple. Like, that's the ideal. If Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> plays well and is, say, a top eight quarterback, and the Niners make a playoff push, not even win the Super Bowl, but if Jimmy Garoppolo starts every game, 49ers win the NFC West, they win multiple playoff games, or whatever, like you're getting multiple first round picks from Jimmy Garoppolo in that scenario. There just aren't yeah. a lot of good quarterbacks available, and Jimmy Garoppolo would easily be available. Or if Trey Lance plays really well in the preseason, and Jimmy Garoppolo has a year where you're like, you know what? Maybe we just kind of run with Jimmy for a couple more years. Maybe you trade Trey Lance. You know, like that happens too. It, I I don't think that's going to happen. That's, that would be wild. That would be wild. But the like, wildest, the wildest scenario, just in terms of like, uh, hey, by the way, you've said the S word twice on this pod. I'm going to do it once. Okay. So cover your ears. Kids. My apologies to the listeners. Uh, um, it was about golf, so it's fine. It was gentlemanly. So. <laughs> No, but the the most the I'll, I'll I'll turn it down. The one with the most holy crap factor is Garoppolo winning the Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl MVP, and then getting traded. That's the most like wild scenario of all this. But all of that is to say that's why the stakes are so high for Garoppolo because he could be entering a scenario where hey, he you just said it the bit. He wins it this year and is the Super Bowl MVP. The Niners decide, you know what? We're letting Lance sit. We're running it back. And he does it again. Well, now he's getting an extension. And he's going to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. I don't think this is going to happen. But that's, I think, on the table. But on that same hand, a much more likely hand, he doesn't play great. And they're... Six and three or five and four after nine games, the Niners are making a switch or he gets hurt again. And now he's getting cut. And in the offseason, that is and signing for backup money. I mean, it's 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 a huge year for him personally and for (laughs) for the 49ers because of uh, what the ceiling is. If he does play well, Jimmy Garoppolo this season. The reason why he's on this list is because after this season, he either is a very coveted quarterback, either by mm-hmm. the 49ers or somebody else, gets an sure. extension, gets a contract in the $35 million a year range, which is now the going rate for franchise quarterbacks, or he becomes Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> and he's he's the guy moving around the league as sort of the bridge quarterback for teams trying to find their future of the franchise. Like, so that's, what's at stake for Jimmy. Like it's, those are the two paths really. Yeah. And I, I think it's far more like not far. I would say it's more likely slightly more likely that he's the journeyman, Teddy Bridgewater bridge quarterback after the season, maybe plays for two or three more teams makes decent money. Nobody's feeling bad for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's already made a boatload of money. Right. Fine. Or he helps the 49ers make another deep run like he did in 2019. Maybe he plays better in the Super Bowl than he did in 2019. And like I find it, I, I don't I don't think there's a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo helps the 49ers win the Super Bowl and he's not starting for the Niners again in 2022. Sure. I mean, maybe, but I that would be bananas. Like imagine that'd be nuts. 
after after Tom Brady beat the Falcons, like imagine the Pats just being like, "All right, see ya." <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, like, it's that's really a, hard. It's really hard to fathom. Yeah, and, and I'm not comparing Brady to to Garoppolo or Garoppolo to Brady, but I'm just saying, like, has that ever happened? Has anybody ever won a Super Bowl and and moved on from the quarterback after that? I'm I'm sure it has, but like, with the quarterback playing well, like the quarterback playing at a high level. Yeah, I have no idea. Not just, winning despite the quarterback. Like I said, that scenario is on the table, but I I think I think what you said is right. Uh, but it but it starts for him in in training camp. Yeah, and if he if he wins the starting job, and if he does, you know how long does he hold on to it? So it'd be ton at stake for Jimmy Garoppolo because you know Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel have a ton of plays designed for Trey Lance to utilize his legs and all of that, all that type of stuff yep. that they can't do with Garoppolo and they're itching to unleash it on the league. They just are. So like, that's another thing. Like, you know, Kyle Shanahan will say, Oh, we love Jimmy. We can win with Jimmy. It's just a durability thing. Like, ugh, I don't really believe that. I don't really believe it's just a durability thing, you know? Yeah. And like, I know, like, I just, I, I actually, it's funny you said that. Uh, I just wrote about this at NinersWire.com. Our our friend friend of the pod, Doug Farrar, did a ranking of the 15 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo is not on that list. And not to say that Doug Farrar at, at the NFL Wire is the end-all, be-all of quarterback assessors. But the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't crack the top 15 in this list and probably isn't cracking the top 15 in a lot of lists is why the 49ers traded for a quarterback. Right. I know the injury thing is a factor. It is a factor. But it's not the factor like is being presented, which is fine because the 49ers need to maintain Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value. I'm just saying I'm not buying Kyle Shanahan when he says, oh, we have a ton of faith in Jimmy. We believe we can win with Jimmy. Like, yeah, no, no, but I, I, I do buy that because here's here's the thing. When you remember the question that he got asked about is Kirk Cousins, his archetype quarterback. Yeah. And he said, there are a lot of quarterbacks in this league. You can win with Garoppolo is a quarterback. You can win with. He can operate an offense that can be second in league in scoring and he can manage an offense. He can win you a game here and maybe when, you know, win you a game there, but there it's not like, you know, oh man, team didn't play great today, but Garoppolo put it on his right arm and, and, you know, overcame a bunch of defensive mistakes. And they were just, they were, they're always in the game because of Garoppolo. That's nobody says that about Jimmy Garoppolo. Nobody's, hey, Niners have a chance this week because Jimmy Garoppolo. The Ravens game, I think, is a prime example of a, of a scenario. The Super Bowl, the, the fact that he threw 14 times in six quarters in the playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl, um, all of those, he can win. But then Shanahan went on to say, if you're drawing it up, you're drawing up the biggest, fastest, strongest arm, best quarterback in the pocket. And they identified that in Trey Lance. And so they went and got him because Lance is going to be able to overcome a lot of things and take the 49ers offense to a level, at least in theory, that Garoppolo cannot. Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback that needs a roster around him to elevate him. Yeah. He's not the type of quarterback who elevates a roster. Yes, that's it. And that's the difference between a guy that, you know, Russell Wilson perennially elevates Seattle's mediocre roster and they just contend all the time because of Russ mm-hmm. singularly. He's a singular talent that way. I think you could say the same about Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, even though they have systems and rosters now. But like, with Trey Lance and just that skill set, you have an opportunity now to get a quarterback that can elevate your roster. And that's the difference mm-hmm. between being a good team, a contending team, and a team that's in the mix to win a Super Bowl every year, potentially. Right. Um, side note, I'm on Jimmy Garoppolo's pro football reference page. <laughs> you know how they do nicknames? Are you going to read the Aladdin one? Prince Aladdin? Never heard of it. I've never heard Jimmy Garoppolo called Prince Aladdin. Me neither. Great Garoppolo? Nobody's ever said that ever. Who, who at Sports Reference is is doing? This? I want it. That's what I want to know. Where do they curate these? 
Do you know what you know? Joe Johnson, the basketball player, plays yeah. Suns and Nets and the Hawks and yeah. Celtics. I think uh, one of his nicknames on there is Armadillo Cowboy. What even is that? What? Yeah, that's yeah. That's weird. So, Jimmy anyways, GQ, I've heard Jimmy GQ. Yeah, Jimmy GQ, of course. Pretty, pretty man on that one. Is porn star Jimmy on there? That mm. one was issued by Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Um, who sucks? Turns out. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't really want to touch that. No, one. no, we're gonna no. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, big year for him, and for the 49ers. You want to talk about fascinating uh, futures? He's the one that I think if you're picking one to kind of keep a close eye on, obviously that's the one that's going to be the biggest story of the 49er season. That's it. Um, can we, can we switch gears and talk about the beer that's coming out? Boy, can we quickly though, because I have things to do the label. Like I was excited about the it's label. so because, sick because Cooperage does a really good job with the art on their beers. I am like ecstatic about the art for the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA by Cooperage. The amount of people that have either on Twitter or walked up to me in person, like buddies of mine, and been like, hey, I'll be out there. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. A couple of my coworkers, like I said, several people on, on Twitter reach out, a couple of people on Instagram reach out. My mom's coming. We have a... Shout uh, out moms. Yeah, my dad's going to fly in. Oh, no, sounds dude. Like my dad's going to be there. So we, Let's I go. mean, we're going to have... There's going to meet Papa Beaterman. Yeah, the list is uh, the list of of people on the panel. I think we can make some announcements. The, the flyers out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Matt Mayoko is going to be there. Yeah. Per the flyer. <laughs> Matt Barrows is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Nick Wagner of ESPN and the our great favorite cast member is going to be there. Yep. Tracy Sandler is going to be there. Ah, friend of the pod. Um, Jennifer Lee Chan may be there. She's a hard maybe for sure. A hard maybe. She's she's indicated interest in coming. Um, the press Democrats Phil Barber is going to be there. Oh, who, is that confirmed? I he said he wants to show up. I mean, he lives in Napa. He should go. He should We're definitely putting pressure go. on Phil, Phil, Phil to listen come. to this pod. Phil is an excellent human. If if you don't He's know so Phil great. Barber, um, just an all around excellent human, excellent journalist. Um, he's written things in the New York times and, uh, just a great guy. So highly recommend that. The first time I met him in person, the first time he'd followed me on Twitter for a while. The first time I met him in person, I was like, Hey, Phil comments. And I was going, and he went, Oh, you're good on Twitter. I was in (laughs) (laughs) Phil is Phil is low key. One of the more hilarious people. Oh, uh, Cam Inman from the Bay news group will be there. Um, so yeah, that's like, a lot of powerhouse group, a lot of a lot of the beat. They're going to be there. So 7 p.m. August 13th. Yeah. Cooperage Brewing Company in Santa Rosa. We are a, a portion of all the Candlestick Chronicles of all the sales from the Candlestick Chronicles. Hazy IPA is going to go to the Redwood Empire Food Bank, um, who we worked with during the fires in 2017. They do a lot of great mm-hmm. stuff for the community um, near and dear to my heart. Uh, the Redwood Empire Food Bank, and they're gonna they're gonna be represented. Uh, you'll be able to make donations directly to Redwood Redwood Empire Food Bank. Um, maybe I should I should try to uh, try to find some items. Maybe we could have like a raffle, and people could buy raffle tickets, and we could get that money to uh, to the Redwood Empire Food Bank. Um, but come hang out with us. Any it's jerseys free. you could raffle off? Any what? Any jerseys you might be able to raffle off? <laughs> no comment on that. Um, <laughs> but the event's free. Your a lot of your favorite 49ers writers are going to be there. Talk yep. to them. There's going to be excellent beer. Obviously, it's going to be for a great cause. It's going to be the night before the first preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, so it's a really good time to do it. We'll talk about the season. We'll talk about Trey Lance. We'll talk, talk about, about whatever you guys want to talk about because it's a Q&A and you guys will be asking the questions. So again, it's legit. And and we're not even recording it. We're just hanging. It's just come, ha- it. come hang out and talk football. Like right yeah, before people, the preseason like, starts. Are you kidding me? Yeah. People were like, you guys should record it and make it a pod. I'm like, yeah, mm. maybe like that wouldn't be a terrible idea. Like it would be really cool. We'll but see how it on goes. The, on the other hand, it's all going to be off the record. Yeah. And so we don't know what's going to be said when some of these writers have 
a few Candlestick Chronicles hazy IPAs in them. Before I did this professionally, I tried doing podcasts while intoxicated. Not easy. <laughs> I, yeah, want that, I don't want that level of stress. Thing, like all the equipment we would yeah. need. It would, it's just too much. Like we want to make this very relaxed, very yes. informal. Yes. But I mean, beer for a good cause. If you like the 49ers, if you're anywhere near the North Bay, even if you're not, I'm driving up from Santa Clara. You're driving from wherever you live in the East Bay, mm-hmm. which is debatable whether or not you live in the East Bay or not, but whatever. Far East Bay. Bear, uh, Mayoko's driving from, from his house. It's well over an hour. Barrows is two. Wagner is two. Like Tracy lives in LA. You know, like my dad's coming from Hawaii. Like this is, this is, you know, the, like if, if you're anywhere in the Bay Area and you just want to hang out and drink some good beer, you, you don't even have to get trash at the event. You obviously don't yeah. want to drive drunk. But you can buy Candlestick Chronicles beer in the awesome looking can. And it's trust me, if you've had any of their hazy IPAs at Cooperage, you know that it's going to be good. Yeah. So just come have a beer. We're selling this event so hard. Pick up a case. There's really no reason not to come. It's going to be a phenomenal time. Cooperage is an excellent brewery. People there are amazing. And uh, if you guys can't tell, I'm very, very excited about this. I heard the bartender is pretty curt. But other than that, (laughs) Kurt's going to come on the pod. We're going to have Get him out. come on the pod and explain the, uh, the the Kurt bartending thing. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for this. Um, I had no idea. I just learned that when you guys did right now. Yeah. So he'll come on the pod eventually. We'll do we'll either get him on a green room or we'll have him on one of these Zoom things. But um, yeah, August 13th, Cooperage Brewing Company, Santa Rosa. Live event. Barrows, Mayoko, Sandler, Wagner, Badson, Biederman, Barber. Inman. Inman, Lee Chan, potentially. <laughs> um, Jared Brown is going to be there. Oh, yeah. I've got a Bleacher I've, Report yeah. and, uh, and our buddy. Um, Rob Louder might be there. Do we know if Rob's going to come? We're putting pressure on, on Rob to come. Right? Yeah, I'm going to call Rob mean names if he's not. Okay. Hopefully, Rob okay. will come all the way from Fresno. Can we finish the pod so I can eat dinner? Yeah, let's get out of here. I'm, I'm okay. done selling the event, but um, we're gonna keep selling it. We've got several more pods to do before the event, so this will come up every time. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, okay. All right. Subscribe, rate, and review. Candles drink good beer. Drink our beer when it comes out. When it comes out in a couple weeks, and we'll talk to you guys later. Play. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.